Welcome past, present, and soon-to-be D&D players to D&D 101, a first-level course. I'm Max Hendricks. And I'm hungry! I got you breakfast. I'm still hungry! Oh, God, okay, fine. Oh, you, you have to understand the caloric load of a dragonborn is greater than that of a human man. Fair, but you had Not- a lot of cinnamon rolls. <laughs> I, they're sweet, they're salty, they're good. Okay. Well, I think we should go ahead and start talking about the actual content of the episode today. Maybe so. So, this episode we're going to be talking about DMing, or being the dungeon master. BMing! So, starting off, um, if you are going to be a dungeon master of, say, a campaign, there are several ways that you can go about making this campaign. Uh, You could use things like pre-made adventures, the official adventures that are released and written by the crew at Dungeons & Dragons. You can buy those in stores or online or uh, at dndbeyond.com. It's pretty handy uh, to have something always there to keep you as a guideline. Uh, Something like the Lost Minds of Phandelver, which is the starter set adventure for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. That's that's the one that everybody goes on, right? Pretty much. That's the adventure you have to go on to be a real D&D character. N- no, you don't have to play that one. Oh, that's not my rite of passage? No, I, oh. I honestly think that just being a character and playing in someone's campaign does it. Ah, great, so I'm set. Yeah, you're good to go, Aga. Awesome. You're, you're already an adventurer. Great. <laughs> the, the story itself, The Lost Mine of Phandelver, is about a dwarf that holds claim to a lost mine, asks you to help him access it, and adventure continues on from there, basically. Ooh, so exciting. Yeah, it's used on shows like Misclicks, Encounter Roleplay, and The Adventure Zone. You know, big stuff. Other options for campaigns, you could make a an in-canon homemade story. Something that exists in the D&D world, something like in Faerun, but that does not follow an official adventure where you write things yourself. What's Faerun again? Faerun is the original setting of Dungeons and Dragons. It's like the big world that everyone plays in that isn't that is a part of the larger planescape but is like the central plane of existence. There could also be homebrew games that you run, which are entirely made-up worlds that you've created. You could also create your own rules and monsters and things and put them in the world that you've made. Some famous examples of this are things like Critical Role. It's such a popular piece of media and homebrew world that it actually got made into its own adventure. They published a book with this world in it. Or you could use somebody else's homebrew. Maybe something from a friend or the DM's Guild. What's the DM's Guild? The DM's Guild is an online community where people share their homebrew content, like monsters or classes or campaign settings. It's pretty fun. It's an easy way to get ideas if you're running out of things for a game. So you're Wizards of the Coast now. (laughs) We are Wizards. Ha ha! Okay. An important part of creating your campaign, especially in a homebrew campaign, is the world building. This is essentially creating the world that your game will take place in. One of the first things you should probably do when making your campaign is 
decide how your story will unfold. You could write the entire world's history up until the point where your players start playing, like the Lord of the Rings books, or you could prepare certain things that you want your players to discover as they go so that as they play through your story, they will learn new things about the world. Or you could let your players make things up as they play. So you can fill in gaps in your world's lore. Speaking of lore, I think we ran into an NPC in Lesterfield that actually gave you a little bit of the town's lore. Oh? Dr. Grandma? Oh yeah! Love Dr. Grandma. Dr. Grandma says, shakes your hand ever so slightly and says, Dear, do you want to ask Dr. Grandma a question? Yeah. What's up with the sillies? The sillies, you call them? Are you silly? No, I'm not silly. I'm quite fine. But... If you are referring to the people in this town, yeah. um, I personally don't know. Aren't you a doctor? Yes. Isn't that like your whole your deal? Whole deal? <laughs> yes, I've, I've examined many of them and they seem to be in perfect health. But they're silly. silly. Do you- a baker threw a handful of pinto beans at me. Granted, he would have done that anyway. But he was laughing while he did it. Oh, that is strange. He was all silly. So it wasn't always like this? No, dear. How long has everyone been silly? Oh, I'd say about a week now, dear. Oh, just a week, all right. Did, um, did anything happen like the night before? Or like, was there any event before mm. this? Well, f- quite frankly, dear, I closed the, the business around uh, 4 p.m. in the afternoon and I, I promptly have dinner and go to sleep at 7 p.m. So I do not know. <clears throat> but the next morning when I woke up, everyone was quite silly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But um, not not myself and the other elven folk. I have noticed. Would you like a glass? Would you like a? Oh. Oh. Can I roll um, history <clears throat> on what elves are immune to? How's that looking? That's a nine. Do I just know this as an elf myself? Hey, maybe Why you, you do. Roll? <laughs> you can roll me. Uh, either history or arcana. Okay, I'm equally good with either of them. Well, 13. Uh, with a 13, you know that elves tend to be resistant to charms. Oh, wait, Dr. Grandma. Yes, dear? Do you know where the water comes from? Oh, uh, yes, dear. I mean, other than the well? Yes, uh, the, we, have a, we have a deep underground water reservoir. I have a question. Can we, like, access that? If there's anyone that would know anything... Yeah. I'd say either Shaw Willow knows she is the town leader, or maybe that gossipy little gnome that runs the tavern. Okay. I guess you found out a lot about elves. 
and how I am apparently of the of my party. I'm the first off the chopping block when it comes to natural selection. Darwin didn't plan for dragonborns, okay? <laughs> Darwin didn't love me. That all aside, another part of world building is creating maps. Maps can aid in battle or planning and explaining environments. You can put figurines for your characters on the map. Uh, you can put down enemies and buildings, things to sort of help you understand. Are these maps for the DM or for the players? Technically, they could be both. If you make a map just for yourself, like of the world, that'll be something that you'll probably keep for the DM. But if you have like a map for battle, that'll be most likely for players. But you could also give your players a world map eventually if they'd like. Although using maps is not necessary for the game. If you are in battle or trying to explain an environment, you can just have your players get a brief description of what's around them and what they can interact with. This is called using the theater of the mind. Just imagination. And then another part of world building is making the world rules themselves. This could be special rules that uh, are exclusive to your world or to the game that you've created. Like, does magic work differently in your world? Uh, you can create explanations and limits on how your magic works. Is it concrete and requires components all the time? Is it consistent? Or can the players make up magic or change how they work based on the situations that they find themselves on? And a good reasoning to the DM, which I think is fun. I think I'm allergic to magic. Well, we'll try to keep it off your scales then. Ugh. There could also be things like custom races and classes in your world. And if you have them in your game, you're going to have to make sure that they aren't overpowered. So if you have a player that's like a custom race of yours, make sure that they have some limitations. A custom race? Yeah, this is an odd one, but in a homebrew game of mine, there was a character that the people met that was a Tsimar, which was the child of a devil and a celestial being and was essentially like half tiefling, half ASMR. So as I'm creating this custom race, I need to take into consideration the benefits of creating this class and how it will aid the player playing and the detriments of that race and how I can balance those two out so that they're not too weak and not too strong. Same thing with classes. You always have to make sure that they're not overpowered. The party also should have a good balance of skills. Obviously, it's not necessary, but having um, enough of the different classes, you'd want like a fighter and a healer and probably like a speed-based fighter, like a rogue. So when you are taking into effect your party and their balance, you're also going to want to make sure that their stats and abilities are fairly balanced throughout the party. Not everyone's going to be good at strength-based things or dexterity. Somebody should be able to take over in a situation if they need to. Like, if you're trying to push over a boulder, you're going to want your fighter in there. Ah! Or if you are trying to outwit a smart opponent, you're probably going to want someone with high intelligence or wisdom. Ugh, this know. guy. <laughs> and when they come to encounters you're going to want to make sure that they are not too easy or too complex. So 
obviously something that they can deal with. And if they can't beat the encounter, make it something that they can either run away from or learn from. But however your players leave an encounter, you're going to want to make sure that they're thinking to themselves, wow, those NPCs that the DM made were so cool. Making your NPCs is a huge part of world building. You can make them up on the spot or you can prepare them ahead of time. You could make the whole town that your players are about to come into if you'd like. When you're making your NPCs, it's good to have a backstory for them. Not a super in-depth one, obviously, but something basic like a connection between them and either a place or a thing or a person in the world, whether your players have met them or not yet. Can you give me an example? So you came out of the woods and there was a town and a farm in front of you and Cobb directed you towards the town. He was somebody, an NPC that you met that had a connection to this place. One of the very first things that he said to you guys was, I wouldn't go in that town if I was you. He had some connection to the story that I was creating and it led you somewhere. And having an NPC that has at least one thing going for them will help you continue your story. When you're making your NPCs, also make sure that they have some sort of motivation or at least a character trait. So your characters don't end up all being the exact same. Also, try to be restrictive with what your NPCs know. Not every person in the world is going to know everything that the players need to know. They only know as much as the character would allow. Don't give them more just because the players want it. You'll run into a few NPCs as you're making your sessions. A session is the well, each time that you sit down for a game with your party. When you're preparing for a session, I have a general rule of thumb. You don't have to use this, but this is something that I picked up from one of the writers of D&D, which is have three main points or story developments that the players are going to interact with. You can write pages upon pages or a whole novel if you'd like to, but try to make sure that they hit at least three main plot points. For and every session? For every session. You don't necessarily need to, and if they don't, that's not a problem. You can just push it to later, but having things that the players can interact with consistently at every session is good to keep them engaged. Of course, sometimes you're going to have to improv. Try and be flexible with your players, because sometimes they'll do things that you don't expect them to do. What? Why are you looking at me? Well, I mean, you're the only one in this recording booth, and... Is this about the rock? The rock that I bit. Oh, the cr no. What, this what was it about? <laughs> well, I did have to actually make up the rocks in the first episode because you decided you wanted to eat the crystal. And so I gave it powers that made you either speed up or slow down. I, I know. I was very fast. Yes, you were very fast. And that's the kind of flexibility that you have to try and work at as a DM. Obviously, you won't be able to make up everything with its stats on the fly. And as you're trying to be flexible, sometimes it's good to have references for stats on common people, items, and weapons that you might run into in the world. Something that you might have in a book or on D&D Beyond, they have saved me many times before when I've had to come up with something on the spot. And if you do end up having to make something up, don't worry. Your players don't know that you're making it up unless you tell them. But if you do end up making things up instead of relying on stats that you already have, it's good to write down what you've made up and then you can 
develop that later on. Of course, if you're like us, you could record your sessions so that if you are listening back through later, you don't have to have written something down. You can just hear it and be like, oh, here's some information for that so that you're already prepared for the next one. Part of getting ready for a session will be planning the different encounters for your party. An encounter is a scene or in something important or relevant to the story. It could be a combat situation. It could be a puzzle. It could just be a conversation or uh, you trying to get a quest out of somebody. To get a quest? Yeah, so like, it doesn't always have to be so cut and dry as, I send you out on a quest. Quest giving is basically when an NPC gives you something to do, something to achieve, like if, like Cobb's sending you out to the town. It's not like he's saying, I want you to go fix this place, but he's essentially sending you on to where your quest will be. Okay. Mm -hmm. And as you're planning your encounters, try and make sure that the level of experience that your players have is up to the encounter that you create. You're not gonna want something to be too difficult for them and impassable entirely. Monsters in this way in combat should progress in difficulty throughout your game. They don't always have to be a challenge, but they should be at least enough that your players can defeat them and not flounder. And you don't have to defeat them by fighting. That's true, you could make friends out of them. Which we did. You did? Yeah. With the uh, who? The guy, the gnome, the goss. Oh yeah, the bartender. Yeah. You come upon this um, small tavern that is made out of mostly wood and stone. It's very rustic looking, and once you walk inside, it is illuminated by firelight. At the bar, there is a small gnome who looks very excited. Hi. Hi. And the gnome goes, hi. Where, can you tell us, I'm Frumpus. Uh, hi, Frumpus. Can you tell us where the underground water reservoir is or how to get to it? Um, Please. I might be persuaded to know. And he gives you a wink. How so? Hmm. Money? I take money. I'd Do also you... take gossip. I'd also take whatever you got. Do you play cards? Oh, boy, do I. What if we play cards, and if I win, then you tell us? Mm, and if okay. you lose... He's really good. You probably shouldn't. Why would <laughs> you say that? I'm really excited to play cards with you now. You ready um, to play? That's uh, good. Dual monsters? <laughs> yeah. You both are so bullyable. <laughs> <laughs> Zira's like cracking her knuckles. Oh, I'm itching. <laughs> I need you to be prepared because <clears throat> my deck has a blue eyes white dragon. She's cracking her knuckles now. <laughs> Ooh. August like scratching at the walls. How about you guys do like high card with dual monsters. Whichever monster has the higher attack, that's just gonna, what we're gonna say, but really we're okay. gonna roll against yeah. each other yeah. okay. with a D100 three times. One, one so like rock, paper, scissors, yes. D100. I don't have one of them. Is it that? Yes. Yes, that's the one. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. 46. 34. Hey. You win the first hand. Dang. 
Which ah, darn it. It's dual monsters. It's dual monsters. Aga vomits in a nearby, like, receptacle. <laughs> or just, just wretches. Just bleh, bleh. Sorry, right. go on. Ready? Three, two, one. Forty-seven. Fifty. Yeah. Round two Ooh. goes to me. Me, me. Me. <laughs> I, I, t- I walk up to the nearest barmaid and I say, give me two beers, please. <laughs> give me your strongest stuff. <laughs> Whatever you want. They all talk like, everyone in town talks like this if they're not an elf. She passes you two ales and the hardest stuff that they've got, which is a very viscous um, Paint mead. A very, <laughs> a very viscous mead, which smells heavily of honey. Oh, and two straws? And two straws. All crazy right. straws, in fact. I put the two crazy straws in the one thing. Okay. Now for the last round. Three, two, one. 83. You won. Yeah. Oh, thank God. And uh, the the gnome plops down a, uh, a Karibo. Heh. <laughs> oh, check this out. Dark magician. Oh, darn it. You're in the shadow realm, baby. <laughs> okay, well, now that you've defeated me in dual monsters, let's get to gossiping. Dish that hot goss. Uh, We're now I'll listening. Give you three We're sipping. Answers. Yeah. We are listening. Okay. How do we get to the underground water reservoir? Well, there's a couple ways. One, you could fall down the well. <laughs> okay. What is. Or you could talk to the grocers. I hear they actually have a direct route underneath their shop. It's a little hush-hush on the download. Now, to get through that encounter, I had to set up some checks for you guys. In the game, there are certain checks that you'll have to put in place for your characters. As you're setting checks in your game, you're going to want to be fair based on the attempt that the player makes. So if a player sets themselves up for success, you can change the DC, which is the difficulty class or the number that they're going to have to beat. With their dice roll? With their dice roll and the added modifier. If they do something to benefit themselves in this, like if they're investigating a mystery or something and they have... A, a tool or something. You can give them a bonus or you can lower how difficult it is for them to succeed. Always try to make sure that the encounters, again, match up to the level experience that your players have and try and make them based around the skills that they have access to. Don't make it impossible for them, but make it a challenge. When you're actually playing the game, you're gonna make sure, you're gonna want to make sure that you're keeping an eye on time. Having somebody set a timer at the beginning of a session for 15 minutes before when you need to leave is good, or however much time that you'll need. If- Oh God, would this have saved you on so many occasions. Well, I'm sorry, I like to run long. Being aware of time can be difficult when you get lost in the game for the players and for the DM. So having like, a timer will keep you on track. The most important part about having a session is probably... I hope you know, I'm taking notes and I'm planning a session as we speak. So tell me, what is the most important part about planning a D&D campaign? I need to know! Snacks. 
have something salty, crunchy, what? tasty. What? But of course, if you're recording, make sure that your snacks. Max, I've been working so hard. It was just about having popcorn there. Oh my gosh. I'm joking. Snacks are good because a lot of the times you're playing a long game and it's good to have something to eat. These players need energy. They do. So do the characters. Will you feed me in game? Here, like it. <laughs> that was my last cinnamon roll. <laughs> I don't know why I ate that like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Delicately from my palm. Okay. Of course, if you're recording your sessions or planning on making them available uh, like on a podcast or something, it's good to have quiet snacks, something that won't be going hush, hush, hush every five seconds. Now, we've talked a lot about DMing, session planning, and all of that. Now that you have all the pieces... <coughs> quiet snacks at the table, Aga. But, but Taffy! No more Taffy! But Taffy! No more Taffy during recordings! Ugh! But now that you have all of the pieces, you can go out and run your own game. And if you're having trouble, don't forget that you can find inspiration from all kinds of places. Books that you've read, other adventures, TV shows, whatever you want. Have fun running a game for your friends or just playing it and encouraging your DM. If you'd like to hear more from the party, we'll be releasing the full audio from their adventures throughout the summer. Thank you for listening, and a special thank you to Jan Morgenstern for the use of our theme song, Circling Dragons. I'm Max Hendricks. The voice of Zira is Marisa Whitcomb. The voice of Frumpus is Paul Winch. And the voice of Aga is Rita Welch. Thank you, and as always... I can't believe it was just snacks the whole time. Is that the secret to the whole world? Yes. Ah. Uh.